Good morning from me. My name's Peter. One of the uh, one of the pastors here. How you doing? How you doing well? Well, last week um, we opened up the first five verses in uh, John, the Gospel of John. We looked at four key terms. We looked at the beginning, the Word, the life, and the light. And we could, we finished by considering how Jesus is the life and the light. He's not dependent on anything. He doesn't need any help from anyone. As much as we think we need to help him sometimes, he doesn't need our help. He, um, he's not contingent on anything. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, without any help from anyone else. He doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't need to eat. Um, today in, uh, in John chapter 1, John, the gospel writer, brings another character onto the stage. And we're not surprised by who this character is because if you look at the other three gospels uh, that uh, tell you about Jesus he pops up really early on in those as well and that's John the Baptist now interestingly uh, John the gospel writer doesn't actually call him John the Baptist and I think probably part of the reason for that is because John the gospel writer thinks John the Baptist has a more important job than baptizing and that's what we're going to be looking at today so uh, let's have a read of the text if you've got your bible with you It'd be great if you could open it, turn it on, stick your thumb on it until it turns on. Go to John chapter 1, starting at verse 6. John chapter 1, verse 6. We, I am always keen for you to, um, to open the Bible up yourself, because then you can double check to make sure this joker out the front is saying correct things. All right? That is the, uh, in the book of Acts, there's a group of people called the Bereans that would go home and and do the homework to make sure that what they heard was true. You should do that. You should do that. And then, once you've confirmed that it's true, you give your life to it. That's what you do. John chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. We're going to pull a hammy today. We're going to do three verses. Um, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. All right, let's kick in. Point number one, this is the end of an era. John was the last in a long line of Old Testament prophets. Look at the way that uh, John, the gospel writer, describes it. There was a man sent from God. If you do your homework and you go through the Old Testament, you know that every prophet is sent by God. They have a calling. It's like you need to go and there's some stuff that you need to do. Uh, Moses was the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, Exodus chapter 3 verse 10, come I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. You go to the call of Isaiah in Isaiah 6 verse 8 and I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said here I am, send me. This is the essence of what it means to be an Old Testament prophet is that you're sent by God. Now you need to just stop for a minute and recognize something about John the Baptist, he was the top of the pile. That's what he was. Uh, Jesus said this very thing in Matthew 11. He said, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John is the top of the pile in terms of prophets. He's the last in a long, illustrious line of people who spoke on God's behalf, who were sent by God. Now what's significant about John? Well, what's significant about John is not just Jesus, but what actually happened before John. And you know what happened before John? 
400 years of silence. That's what happened before John. I mean, Australia hasn't even been a modern nation for 400 years. What would that be like? Now, God warned the people about it, uh, his people about it in Amos 8 verse 12. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Why? Because they were disobedient. What did God say? He goes, I'm going to stop talking to you through prophets. That's what I'm going to do. And God didn't leave them without revelation. They had lots of revelation, but he said, that's going to be it. And so Malachi, far as we know, is the, um, he's the last one. And then 400 years of silence. Now, <laughs> there ought to be in your heart, if you were back in the day, a whole bunch of pathos and just feeling about that. That's, that is a tragedy, isn't it? That God would say, that's it. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking through prophets for four long centuries. We're not surprised um, about John the Baptist showing up before Jesus. Why are we not surprised about John the Baptist showing up before Jesus? Be- well, because that's God's MO. It's his mode of operation, his modus operandi. Uh, we know from Amos, in Amos 3 verse 7, the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. So here's, here's the principle, and this is the principle in the Old Testament, is God, before he did something, he always let the people know. And he let the people know through the prophets. Why would God do that? Well, because he's not a machine. And the reason why he does it is because he wants people to respond and he wants people to be in relationship with him. I mean, if you go into the Old Testament, you go, man, there's some brutal punishment that God pours out on his people. And I would say to you, do you know how many years God sent prophets saying you need to turn? Is it the center of God's heart that he punishes and judges his his own people? Absolutely not. His people are just hard-hearted. They don't want to turn. They want to keep doing the things that they're doing. So what does God do? He sends a prophet and he says, I'm about to do this. You need to stop. And it happens because God's people didn't stop. They didn't stop. They didn't turn around. And so we're not surprised when we get to Jesus that God's about to break out and do this thing like no one expects really in the way that it comes about. And it's stunning. So what does he do? He lets everyone know that he's going to be doing something. Before he does the most decisive thing in history, we should expect he's going to flag it and it's coming. And that's John the Baptist. What was John's mission? Have a look at verse 7. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. What's John's job? Be a witness. That's his job. Now, you better get used to the category of witness in the Gospel of John because John's going to actually bring it up regularly. Um, And and the reason why is because John wants you to know that you can have confidence in believing who Jesus is. And so what does he do? He lines up a whole bunch of witnesses, like a court of law. He lines up these witnesses and you can trust these witnesses and you can come to the conclusion that he leads you toward. Let me give you some examples. John 5, verse 31 to 33. 
If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that that testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent, excuse me, you sent a John, and he has borne witness to the truth. John 12, verse 17. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. John 4.39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. You're going to hear this on and on and on in the Gospel of John because John wants you to reach the conclusion that you need to reach about Jesus. He's going to line up these witnesses for you. Now, what's a witness? Well, a witness is someone who testifies to the truth of something. John 1 verse 7, John's mandate is very, very clear. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And I don't think the him here in this verse, all might believe through him, is actually talking about Jesus because John is calling us to believe in Jesus, not through him. All right? I think the through him here, the him, is actually John the Baptist. That was the direction of John's role, is that people would believe in Jesus. All people would believe in Jesus through him. Now... Think for a moment with me about what it means to give witness. To give witness means to give testimony of something. There are all sorts of testimonies, aren't there? Sometimes there's testimonies of good things and sometimes there's bad things. Now this is a um, photo of uh, Captain Cook Ovals over near Mackers in Wilsonton. Okay? Um, he used to live there, well not there, not at the Ovals, that's weird. Um, but lived near there um, a while ago. And I used to actually go jogging uh, at these ovals at night time. And this, the oval that I would jog on, this is going to be just a little bit fancy, but um, there it was going to be. Tech failure. If you look in the middle there, this middle oval, the Lindsay Thorpe Oval, there's a car park that runs along the back side of it. And I used to go jogging there at like 9 o'clock at night. And this thing used to happen when I'd go jogging sometimes, right? I'd be jogging around dump my bike on the side, a car would come into the car park and pull up behind the trees. All these people in the residential estate would walk over to the car with the guy who had the boot open, all right? And then they'd all go back. <laughs> and do you know something? I, I was very careful not to see something that I didn't want to see. So I kept my distance. Now, some of you go, well, that's, that's a bit of a, you know, you, you know, maybe you've been a bit of a coward, Peter. But it was like, oh, no, I just don't want to get involved. I'm going to leave that to the cops. All right. It was pretty obvious to me what was going on. And so I just did my business and then I left. And, and here's, here's the point. When, when you're a witness to something, it, it actually means that you're committed to it. There's a commitment that's required when you're a witness to something. And you know, when we look at John the Baptist, <laughs> John the Baptist, in a sense, he's not an impartial witness in the sense that he doesn't have a point of view. That's the nature of being a witness. You have a point of view. You saw something and you're actually committed to what it is. You know, sometimes being a witness can get you into trouble. And there are times where you need to stand up and be a witness about something um, at your own risk. But this is not the kind of witness that we see from John here. What we see from John here is that 
it's, it's a positive thing. You know, the, the pressure, the persecution, the standing up and being a witness and getting to our love for it would come later. But what John sees now is John sees something good. He knows who Jesus is going to be and he tells everyone to get ready because the true light's coming into the world. Now, I want to stop again and just consider this whole idea that, um, that Jesus is the light. Because this was John's job, right? John, his job was to bear witness to the... He was to bear witness to the... Oh, excellent. Good morning. Lovely to, lovely to see you. Now, last week we looked at how darkness in the Gospel of John is about evil. You know, there's a darkness, uh, I mentioned last week, of addiction, slavery, anxiety, idolatry, depression, the darkness of difficult people, difficult relationships. Wherever you see the effects of sin, you see darkness. Well, what's the light? And I'd say to you, Jesus. And you'd probably say, thanks, that really helps. (laughs) What is about Jesus, which is light? Well... One of the things that Jesus does, and I think this is a pointer to what the nature of light is when we're talking about Jesus, is Jesus helps you to see what is good and bad. John chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. Why don't just jump across there now with me? John 3, 20 to 21. John 3, 20 to 21. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. And does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So what's the light? Here's what I want to, just as a, a kernel for you to kind of grab a hold of. You know what the light is? The light helps you to see true reality. That's what it does. It helps you to see true reality. Now, this makes, in my view, this makes complete sense. And the reason why this makes complete sense is because the person who's at the centre, who's holding together true reality is, it's Jesus. So it makes sense that if you don't know Jesus, you don't know reality the way that you need to know it. Now, can you know some things that are true about reality? Absolutely you can. If you go to Romans chapter 1, it talks about how the character of God is displayed in creation. We can know things. I'm not saying that we can't know things. But in terms of knowing things truly and rightly, you can't know them truly and rightly without knowing Jesus. If you don't acknowledge him and you don't see him, then you have an obscured, darkened version of reality. Is everyone with me so far? That's the reality. Now, some of you may remember a movie, and I can believe, I mean, I'm I'm just getting old, right? But I can believe how long ago that it came out. But I'm just going to... And this, this is going to be fun, right? Because I'm going to show the trailer and you're going to go, I can't believe that people used to dress like that and thought that that was cool. But, and that the people who are under like 30 are just going to go, we need to find another church <laughs> where they show clips that are from movies that are more modern than this. But do you remember the Truman Show? Those who are around. The Truman Show was, I mean, it, it still fits pretty well with our obsession with reality TV shows, but the Truman Show is about a guy that was born uh, into, the, into a set of a reality TV show without even knowing it. And the whole thing was a sham. It was this massive set and there were like 5,000 cameras through this set that watched his every move and beamed it onto TV. Um, and it was all false. They were all actors. It was all a set. 
Um, it was all a stitch up. So I just want to show you the, um, the trailer and uh, just make a couple of comments. Comments are still headed. What else is on? Yeah, let's do what else. Coming to you now from the largest studio ever constructed, it's the Truman Show! Yeah! Good morning! Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> what if? No scripts, no cue cards. Morning, Spencer! How's it going? What if you were watched every moment of your life? How many cameras you got there in that town? I believe Truman is the first child to have been legally adopted by a corporation. That's correct. Brilliant. What if everyone you knew was pretending? Hi, honey. Look what I got at the checkout. Dishwasher safe. (laughs) That's amazing. What if your world was make-believe? Cue the sign. While the world he inhabits is counterfeit. I'm not allowed to talk to you. That's how I look. Not your type. There's nothing fake about Truman himself. What if you didn't know it until now? A lot of strange things have been happening. Stand by ring cam. Is he looking at us? Do you think he knows? I think I'm mixed up in something. Something big. We accept the reality with which we're presented. Everybody's pretending, Truman. Get out of here. Come and find me. Truman? Truman! Truman! Anything happen? It's like the whole world revolves around me. Everybody seems to be in on it. I'm going away for a while. I'm not in on it, Truman, because the last thing that I would ever do is lie to you. Fade up music. That's our hero shot. How do we stop him? Give me some light. Is that the best you can do? Come transmission. I like your pen. I was wondering that myself. Jim Carrey. The Truman Show. Watch what happens. Truman lived in darkness. He lived in darkness. He lived in a reality that wasn't true. It was a false reality and this is what jesus does jesus comes and helps us to see what is true reality you know now here's this is this is really important jesus helps us to see what truly is that's what he does now we could have a wonderful discussion i would and i would be into it right if you wanted to have a discussion about epistemology all right and epistemology is a discipline that kind of determines how do we know what is true and uh, I think it's a really valuable kind of consideration it's directly connected to this up here uh, and if you're up for some profound reading and you've got the um, the stamina to get into some really deep uh, deep theological and I think one of the best treatments of uh, epistemology and how you know what's true you can read John Frame the doctrine of the knowledge of God all right now it's not a beginner's book just giving you a heads up but it is it is amazing um, really helpful. He's got this, I'm not even going to go into it, but he's got this triperspectival understanding of the way that you understand knowledge and God's uh, centrality in that. But here's the bottom line. If you don't know Jesus, and I don't mean this to sound 
kind of bigoted. Like for some people, they kind of go, this sounds pretty bigoted, but it actually is a thing, right? If Jesus is the center of all reality and he created it all, and by definition, he holds everything together, then by logical consequence, if you don't know him, you don't know reality the way that you need to know it. And I'm not even saying that for those who do know him, that you know it completely. I'm just saying that you don't, you actually aren't looking at it the right way because it's all about him. You can't know God, the world around you or yourself without Jesus illuminating it for you. He, he helps you to see reality in a way we never could without him. And this is um, kind of something I think that C.S. Lewis gets at in uh, Mere Christianity in uh, one of his often quoted statements I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. See, that's, that's what he's talking about. If you want to know reality more, you need to know Jesus more. Now, that sounds really cheesy, but it, it's, it's, it's a thing. Like that, that's just how it is. If you want to know reality more, you need to know Jesus more. Now, just as I close this second point out here... Um, I want to highlight something else for you. Um, John the Baptist wasn't just called to see Jesus clearly. He was called to be a witness to Jesus. That's what he was called to. And surprise, surprise, we find out in the New Testament, we are too. (laughs) We are not just called to see Jesus clearly. We are called to be a witness to Jesus. So it's not about us. If you're a Christian here today... It's not about us coming and playing church and getting all of our stuff in order, ultimately. We need to get our stuff in order, but if, it's, if, our, if our direction is to, to kind of curve in on ourselves, we're not doing what God's called us to do. God calls us to bear witness to Jesus. And John the Baptist, it turns out, is one of our models to copy about how we are to bear witness. Look at this further on in uh, John's Gospel. Uh, John 15, 26 to 27, but when the helper comes, he will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. He proceeds from the Father, the Holy Spirit. He will bear witness about me, notice that, and you also will bear witness. You go into Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was ascending to the Father, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. While we never outrank John the Baptist, we have a similar calling to John the Baptist. Side with Jesus and bear witness to Jesus. Who he is and what true reality is. That's our job. All right. It's going to get personal. All right, have a look at verse 8 of John chapter 1. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, it's it's really important not to get this one wrong. (laughs) If I can just say that at this point in time, it's it's really important not to get this one wrong. And I think John the gospel writer is going, "Don't, don't get it wrong about John the Baptist. Don't get it wrong. Um, and, 
And so where I want to finish today is I, want to, I actually want to give you a few thoughts that are going to set your soul free, okay? They honestly will set your soul free if you just want to grab a hold of it. Here's, let, me, let me start. Um, since the fall of humanity in Genesis chapter 3, God said in the curses on the man, the woman, and the serpent that someone was going to come one day that was going to sort things out. It's going to bring back shalom, all right? You might have seen people wearing shirts, I bring back the biff. Jesus is not bringing back the biff. He's bringing back shalom. That's what he's doing. He's sorting things out. He's making things flourish again. He's getting things in order. That's what he's doing. And so what you've got in the people in Jesus' day is this expectation that this Messiah was going to come and sort things out. I mean, imagine how intense the expectation would be after 400 years of silence. Like this guy, John, shows up and he's a good man. And people are probably going, is this guy the Messiah? Is he the one that we've been waiting for? You know, the word that we would use, we wouldn't use the word Messiah. The word that we would use, we'd use hero. And that, that, the Messiah was the Jew's hero. He was going to come one day. He was going to get rid of the oppressors. He was going to set up the world again so everything would flourish. And we have these stunning, beautiful images of the flourishing of Shalom in the, the prophet of Isaiah, where the lion shall lie down with the lamb. Like there'll be such pervasive peace that this Messiah would bring. It'd just be amazing. And, and I can understand it. And it actually is going to come up later on in the Gospel of John where the people kind of go, is, is he the Messiah? It's like, we, we want him. This is really, we don't like this. We don't like the world. And I, I think that you and I, we long for a hero. We long for a hero. And, and you can understand the people thinking maybe John was going to be the one. And, and the, John, the Gospel writer, says, no. Nah. Uh, no, not that guy. That's, that, that isn't him. He isn't the light. He's, he's not the source. S-A-U-R-C-E, not S-A-U-C-E. He's not the source. He, he bears witness to the source. He, John the Baptist, does not bring reality and clarity about reality. He points to the one who does. Well, some of you go, okay, well, yeah, sure. Like, first century Pete, thanks, haven't really helped me at all. Um, what, what, give me something relevant. Well, I'll tell you this. The, <laughs> the, the human desire to be the hero still exists today. See, the, back in Genesis chapter 3, do you know what humanity did? They said, we don't want your reality... We want ours, and in our reality, we want to be the hero. That's what humanity said. But I want to say something to you this morning. Um, If you can see times in your life where you want to be the hero, where you want to be the light, that's a freaky place to be. And you know why that's a freaky place to be? Because you don't have what it takes to make your life go. (laughs) You just don't. You don't have what it takes to make your life go. You know, God created you. He created me, created all of us dependent. We're dependent upon him. We're dependent upon each other. We need to eat. We need to sleep. We need medical help. 
We need to grow in wisdom. We were made dependent in the very beginning. And if you disconnect, you won't work. You, you, you don't have what it takes to make your life go. It's kind of like if you've ever had a repair person come out or someone, you, you've got some kind of problem with some kind of machine, right? And, and they go, did you plug it in? <laughs> Has anyone ever like gone, it wasn't plugged in? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got one, one honest person here today. That's a start. That is a start. Or, or you didn't turn it on. It's like this thing is not working. Maybe it's a computer. It's like, well, you just need to turn it on, champ. That, that's a little bit of what it's like for humans. Like if you disconnect from God and you go, I want to be the hero and I want to define my own reality, you have just disconnected from the one that gives you life, the one that makes you flourish, the one that makes things go, and you're left on your own and you have to try and find a way to make things go. And here's, here's the reality. If you are stubbornly determined to be the light or to be the hero, and we all fall into it, do you know where you'll end up? Fear and control. One of those. You'll end up in fear or control. They're two sides of the same coin. You either furiously gather and try to control what you need to make your life go or you'll be anxious about the things that could wreck your life and you'll crash in anxiety. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Couple, couple of people. And some of you go, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't know, like, I don't think I really want to be the, the top dog, right? But I could be Robin. <laughs> I could be Robin, right? You go, well, Jesus could be the hero, but if I can just be a few notches up from the plebs, um, that would be really good. I could be, seriously, I could be an awesome sidekick for Jesus. You know, and, and you, know, you, know what, you know what this is? This is where sometimes for us, uh, specifically us uh, in the church, um, we, we think we see reality and we want to impose it on other people. Right? We want to push it on other people. Uh, one example of this is, um, is when churches really get stuck in religion. You get stuck in religion. I was talking to um, a lady this week who said she's a Polish Jew. Uh, and she talked about her mother and her grandmother's experience of the church. And this is what she said. She said, um, "My it was either her mother or grandmother, I couldn't remember. But one of them had to walk um, through town and the place that they had to walk was muddy. So... Um, she raised her dress above her ankles so that when she walked through the mud, it would not get muddy. And do you know what people in the church call her? A whore. This, she was just telling me this on Thursday. You know, they shamed her for it. You know, perhaps there were some good intentions in there. Um, but in the end, what the church people who were doing that were trying to do is they were trying to make her be something. And this is, this is where they kind of, they're not Batman, but they're kind of Robin. <laughs> they're just stepping in there and just trying to force something on someone, help them to see the reality that they see. 
You know, sometimes this kind of being robin in the way that we're the light is uh, really well-intentioned. We can be really passionate about something. You know, we can see some darkness in someone else's life. And sometimes, let's be honest, all of us have stepped too far in. And it's like, I see truly, I see rightly, I see accurately, and so I'm going to step in, I'm kind of going to kind of try and foist it upon you. You need to see this. And it's kind of like, we're not, we're not being Batman, but we're kind of being Robin. It's like, oh, I've got a good read on it. And we're going to kind of try and help you to see it, but not just help you to see it. It's like, I'm going to kind of a little bit force you to see it. And it's a noble goal, but somewhere along the line we started to believe we were responsible for making the light work and it became about our power and what we wanted to see happen. Do you you see what I'm saying? And it just isn't true. We do speak and we do love, but we entrust growth to God. Can I get an amen from anyone? That's, That's what we do. You want to hear about a core value of the project, that's a core value of the project, is that growth is beyond our pay grade. Amen? It's beyond our pay grade. And we should all be really, really chilled about it. (laughs) Okay? Now, what what am I saying? I'm saying this to mums. The growth of your children is beyond your pay grade. I'm saying this to dads. The growth of your children is beyond your pay grade. I'm saying this to children. If your parents are frustrating, changing them is beyond your pay grade. I'm saying this to workers. Your boss may be an absolute pain in the neck, but you changing them is beyond your pay grade. I'm saying this to anyone who's a friend of anyone else, and you go, I see something in them that needs to change. It's not your job. (laughs) It's not your job to change anyone. Now, this sounds heavy and dark, but I want you to hear this is really, really liberating. If you can get it in your head that it's not your job to change anyone else, but that's God's job and you're a witness, you're just going to fly like a butterfly around the place, right? Because you're not going to sit around trying to control things or being fearful about things as much because it's like you go, well, that's God's job and my job is to step in and do the things and say the things that he wants me to say and leave it to him. Paul Tripp puts it this way. He's got this. Um, he's got this. Uh, these two kind of concentric uh, ellipses, and uh, one of them is God's responsibility, and the other one's our responsibility. And he he just says in his book Instruments of the Redeemer's Hand, Hands, I think he says you want to be as clear as you can about what God needs to do and what you need to do, and not get them confused. If your bit in the middle gets bigger and encroaches on God's stuff. Fear is going to be an issue, anxiety is going to be an issue, and control is going to be an issue. If it shrinks down, there's stuff around the place that's not going to happen because God is wanting to partner with you in, uh, in that thing. And there actually is stuff that you need to do. Don't be passive. So, what's the outworking here? Well, the outworking here is you should just talk about Jesus and reflect his light everywhere you go. That's what you should do. Be open about it. Be truthful about it. You don't have to change anyone. If you work with an atheist, if you're an atheist sitting here today, we don't think it's our job to change you. We don't. That's above our pay grade. 
you bear witness, you reflect. You know, sometimes in the church, and this is, um, I've felt like this, and this is something about me, but do you, have you ever been in a place where it's like, it feels like there's like a witnessing competition going on in the church? Is it? Have you ever? It's like there's these awesome people who are like just amazing at witnessing, and you just go, oh man, like I've got to be like that guy. So there was this fella in Sydney in the, uh, it was connected to the church that I went to. And, and maybe it says more about me. Actually, I think it does say more about me than anything about anyone else. But he was the awesomest witnesser I've ever heard about, ever, right? This guy, he would read a book of the Bible every day. Right? And he'd just go, oh, Sonny, I've got to... Okay, that's going to take a while. And for a little while, I thought, I need to read a book of the Bible every day. So I'm going for the short ones, like Jude... Philemon. <laughs> you know, here's, here's what he used to do. There were all these stories about this witnessing stuff that he used to do. And one of the things he used to do is he actually used to go on um, the harbour cruises for the universities on the Sydney harbour. And uh, he would take his own, he'd get permission for it, he'd take his own gear and sell hot dogs. And when people would come and buy hot dogs on the cruises from him, he'd tell them about Jesus. And I... We, we just used to hear these stories. And he was, he was an awesome guy and obviously a very gifted evangelist. Um, and inside of me, if, if, if you've ever felt this, if you've ever felt something similar to me, it's like, oh, I've got to live up to him. And you know what I want to say? If you have ever felt that, no, you don't. You don't have to live up to him. I don't have to live up to him. Do you, know, do you know what you and I need to, need to do? We just need to shine and reflect Jesus' light in the space that we're in and do it really willingly and really naturally. You know, be careful of being too passive and also be careful of trying to steer the outcome. Be chilled about, I'm not the light. I reflect a lot. I just reflect. You could just do that. Is anyone excited about that? You could just, yeah. just reflect. There isn't any pressure. You don't, you don't have to, you know, I'm talking to this lady on Thursday, and it's like she, she doesn't have to say the sinner's prayer at the end of our conversation. just doesn't have to happen. She doesn't have to become a Christian. I just need to bear witness to Jesus, and I got to do that on Thursday. As a partial side note, this is, I'm really, I'm really wanting to set you free. And, and the, the truth is that you and I, we cannot bear the weight of glory. We, we can't. The only one who can bear the weight of glory is God himself. Humanity blows out. Why? Because we're not the light. <laughs> we're not the light. We are not the light. Consider for a moment, how many celebrity blowouts have you seen? Well, what's the celebrity thing? Well, it's like where people give them a whole bunch of glory and it gets too heavy for them and it breaks them. Why does it break them? It breaks them because they were never meant to ultimately carry it. They can't. Why? Because they're not the light. 
They're not the light. And unfortunately, in recent times, we've seen a list of failures, big failures by very notable, famous people in the church. And it's always sad when you see that. You know, there's some stuff that has come out in the last week about one of the most well-known evangelists, and it's so gutting and so disappointing. But it says again that humanity can't bear the weight of glory. We can't. No public figure, no public figure in Christendom, hear me today, no public figure is the light. None. So don't expect them to be the light. You know, I think there is in a very real sense that God's created his people and he's created his people to need good leadership. And that's one thing. But as soon as you start putting someone up on a pedestal and they're becoming your hero and it's not God himself, you are bound for disappointment. Don't do it to me either. Because I promise I will disappoint you. It'll only be a matter of time. Peter is not the light. He bears witness to the light. Now I want you to repeat after me. If you love Jesus, we're going to say, you need to put your name in. Don't put mine in again, right? Because I already, already outed myself. Now you've got to out yourself, all right? We're going to say that phrase again. Your name is not the light. You bear, I bear witness to the light. Are you ready? Your name is not the light. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm just, I'm just repeating so that you're clear. Your name is not the light. I bear witness to the light. You ready? One, two, three. Peter is not the light. He bears witness to the light. Now, <laughs> that will be one of the most freeing things that you could think about, wouldn't it? Why? Because there is a mysterious blessing in being insignificant. You know, most... Um, maybe I shouldn't even say that. A lot of the bondage and the slavery that I have experienced in my life is because I wanted to be significant. And you just need to know that the desire to be significant... is a bondage. If you think the only way forward in your life is to be significant, to be the hero, to be the light, your life will be one of fear, control and disappointment. We weren't created to be the light. We were created as images, those who would reflect the light. You weren't made to be great. You were made to be connected to someone great. If you... Now, God has significant things for us to do. But we are not called to be significant the way that God is. And if you can settle that in your soul and be happy with that, that you weren't made to be great, you were made to be connected to someone great, you are going to be beautiful. You, you are going to be amazing. You are going to be an amazingly bright reflector of light and there will be oxygen and peace in your soul and you'll go 
where did that come from? Well, it just came from you staying in your space. It came from you staying in your space. So, let me put it another way. Be a good moon. Be a good moon. And some of you are going, yep, I've got fair skin. I could go and do that. I could hit that out of the park. And that's off the kind of moon that I'm talking about, all right? I'm just not talking about that. Do you know, we all know the deal here, right? The sun is the light. The sun has light in itself. The moon does not. The moon does not. The moon is only a reflector of light. Maybe the worship team can come out. And the moon is a really good reflector. One of my favourite things to do, we've got um, a Dorman Christian College School Ovals down the end of our street. And one of my favourite things to do is at 8 o'clock at night on a full moon, I go for a run down on the ovals in the dark with all the lights off and I can see my shadow. And it's, it's just, it's awesome. It's cool. There's usually a light breeze and the moon is lighting my way. See, Jesus, the sun, is the light. He is the light. He contains light in himself. And I I just want to encourage you today that you could just be really chilled and really happy and really peaceful about being the moon. Just be the moon. And be the brightest moon you can be. The best one. Well, how would you do that? It's like get close to the light and be facing the light. That's what, that's what the moon does. The moon gets close and faces the light and it gets really, really bright when it's close and when it's facing it. This is what 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You, got it, you get close to him and you'll get like really, really bright. And then... You work out how you can reflect it into dark places. Be like him. Talk about him at work. Just bear witness to him. It's okay if people think you're an idiot. Put in a good word for him whenever you can. Just put a good word in for him. You know, Thursday when I was talking to this lady, she, um, she said, oh, uh, we got talking about Jesus. and <laughs> um, she, she goes, oh, she goes, I think Jesus is, I, I just think Jesus is a prophet. Now, I put it in different words and I'm compressing, so um, for the sake of this morning. But I, um, I said, oh, I, don't, I don't think Jesus will let you do that to him. Just make him a prophet only and she talked about um, how she thinks Christianity is just like anything else you've just got to try and be good and I said well I said, we, don't, we don't really do that at the project we, we don't stand up and kind of tell other people to be good we stand up and we go oh, actually we don't really get a whole lot of stuff together but um, Jesus, Jesus makes us good we don't make ourselves good to be acceptable to him. He makes us good. And what, what was I doing? 
I don't know, just putting in a good word for Jesus. <laughs> he's, not, he's not like that. And, and that's, I don't think it's rocket science. Like, you can do that. And, and I'm sure a whole bunch of you have done it this week. Someone says something, it's like, I'm going I'm to sneak in a good word for Jesus here. Do that. Be bright. Why don't you stand with me and um, I'll pray for you. Jesus, you, what you want everyone who loves you, he calls the Project Church home to be bright. And we, we are, um, look, we're sorry for trying to be the light sometimes, for, for wanting to be the hero, for wanting to define what reality is. And we know that rest, tranquility, and peace comes from us staying in our place. And so, God, there's, maybe there's a bunch of people here today who just go, yeah, I just want to stay in my place and, and be a good reflector. And, God, I would pray that you'd help them to be a really good reflector. I pray that people around them would be seeing snippets, if not all, of true reality as they reflect you well. God, we, the thought for me that you would make us so bright that we would bring about a tangible change in the culture into Toowoomba is an exciting thought for me. Not that it's our job to do that, but that as we go into all of our workplaces, or as we do our parenting or whatever space that we move in, that you would help us to be a bright light and that you would do good things around us as we are faithful to being a witness to you. God, I pray that as everyone goes out today, that they see that your spirit would do amazing things through their simple, willing and free testimony to you. Amen.